Transmitter device activated. Coordinate set for Earth 2. Hey everyone, welcome to the Earth 2 podcast. The podcast that explores the origins and development of the DC Comics multiverse and the legacy of their Golden Age characters through the Silver and the Bronze Ages of comics. I'm Peter Watson. And I'm David Steele. Welcome back. Thank you for joining us. Our next scheduled episode is a story from issue 201 of The Flash featuring Jay Garrick and The Fiddler. Fiddler is a villain we've encountered in the podcast before. He appeared in issues 21 and 22 of the Just League of America alongside The Shade and The Thinker. And it may, may not surprise you to know that in the Golden Age, Jay Garrick and The Fiddler cross paths and indeed metaphorical swords on several occasions. It also may surprise you or maybe not surprise you to learn that in the Golden Age of Comics there were some other fiddlers, other characters with that name. And this week we're going to be telling you about some of those other fiddlers. If you like, we're doing some fiddling. We are indeed, yes. yes. We're fiddling about this week. Stop fiddling. Peter, stop fiddling about and do the podcast. Okay, if you insist. <laughs> Before we get stuck into the, the first of the three stories that we're going to give you this week, PC's going to do that thing when he gives you some background. Yes, the first story is a Bulletman story. Now, Bulletman first appeared in Nickel Comics number one, published by Fawcett. So yes, he's not originally a DC character. That came out on the 3rd of May, 1940. Interesting. Yeah, so Bulletman started off in Nickel Comics, but he ran through several other Fawcett titles. He had his own series for a while, and he made regular appearances in Master Comics as well. Oh, that's interesting. That's the one that Captain Marvel Jr. starred in. It certainly was, yes. That's interesting. Also, America's Greatest Comics. So yes, he, he got about a bit. <laughs> now, Bulletman is quite an interesting character for me because he, in many ways, is very much like Barry Allen because he also was a police scientist. He was a ballistics expert and used chemistry to give himself powers and designed a costume like a bullet. His powers included greater muscle mass and brain power, as well as his gravity regulator helmet that allowed him to fly and deflect bullets. Now he had a sidekick, who he later married, uh, who was Bullet Girl, and they fought crime together in the fabulous 40s. When did you first encounter Bullet Man? Can you remember? I genuinely don't know. I think it might have been in the JLA-JSA crossover that he appears in. Right. Or it might have just been referenced in the Shazam series. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he gets a, he's mentioned in one panel in mm-hmm. one issue of Shazam. We're going to do quite a few issues of Shazam when it happens, listeners, don't worry. I first encountered a Bullet Man when I had the Action Man Bullet Man. Action Man being the term given over here in the UK to oh, the G.I. Joe yes. action figure range. So yes, I had Bullet Man. He was a sort of member of Action Man's extended family. He had silver arms and a sort of silver helmet. Mm-hmm. Much more handsome than the regular Action Man. He didn't have the scar. He didn't have the realistic gripping hands and I don't think he had the eagle eye action. Okay. That was the first time I encountered a Bullet Man and I'm fairly sure that I saw him pop up in that aforementioned issue of Shazam as well. Mm-hmm. I definitely do not have that, that doll anymore, but I've got a feeling there might be a photograph of it somewhere. So Ooh. if I can dig that out, I'll stick it on the socials, but if I can't, don't be too upset if I don't find it. So, why are we talking about Bullet Man? Because Bullet Man met someone called the Fiddler. And that means that we can do a story from issue 11 of Bullet Man, published on the 16th of December, 1942. Goodness me. Pete's going to tell you about the cover to issue 11 of Bullet Man. Certainly am. It's a striking red background. There is a giant violin, or fiddle as it's also known, Mm. on the cover. And bursting through it are both Bullet Man and Bullet Girl. And the caption inside says, Bullet Man battles the fiendish fiddler. 68 thrill-packed pages. 
don't worry, this story isn't 68 pages long. <laughs> yes. There is also a dog bursting through the violin yes, as bullet well. dog. Yes. You know there's a bullet dog. I didn't know there was a bullet. He's not really a bullet dog. Is there a, I don't remember a dog in the story. He's just happy to be there. Yeah. I love this cover because I can imagine the, the discordant musical noise that's created as they <laughs> shatter this giant symbolic mm-hmm. fiddle. Very effective. Yeah, Bullet Man in his red top and yellow leggings and Bullet Girl in her Slightly lower cut red top and yellow leggings and their, their bullet helmets. A very, very good looking couple, it must be said. Yes. So if you take your copy of Bulletman issue 11 listeners and turn to page 21, mm-hmm. we have an opening splash panel which shows a large figure dressed in blue, blue top hat, bit of a cape going on, yellow scarf. Quite an ugly man, it must be said. He doesn't yes. have the best teeth, rather grotesque features. And he's noodling away on his violin or his fiddle. And we can see a woman in the background with her hands over her ears as a gentleman on the ground and a uniformed guard standing over him. And it looks as though the uniformed guard is actually knifing this poor unfortunate in the back. Oh and flying in the background are Bullet Girl and Bullet Man. A large caption says, Bullet Man, the flying detective. And, and the, the fiendish, fiendish fiddler. So we have that nice establishing large almost splash panel. And then a nice huge Chunk of a text caption. A macabre, sinister shadow falls across Bullet Man's path in this tale. The threatening outline of the fiddler, whose bony fingers can draw strange, hypnotizing music out of the depths of a violin. Under the spell of this music, men steal, murder, run mad. Who can stop this evil wizard as he makes honest folk dance to his murderous tune? Follow Bullet Man's adventures as he rises to the challenge of the, the fiendish, fiendish fiddler. Gosh. Okay. Slow dissolve. The caption of the first story page proper says The President's office in the Tenth National Bank. President sat behind his desk. He's a kind of older man, white hair, wearing a yellow suit inexplicably. Sat behind his desk and he's addressing a member of his staff, one of his guards. The President is saying, We've got a large amount of extra cash in our vaults, Norris. Keep your eyes peeled tonight. With me, Gartnet, you won't have to worry, sir. And so, the first panel of the second story page, a slow dissolve. Caption for the first panel says, That night! And we see Norris walking along a corridor behind a grating. And we can see a sign that says 10th National Bank. And Norris is saying, Funny, I don't see anyone, but I feel something. What's that? From the shadow of a doorway across the street comes strange music. Hypnotising music played on a mournful violin. We see his shady figure, his dark top hat, his dark suit, contrasted by the colour of his cape. And emanating from him, we see some some tunes, some floating notes. Neither Peter and I play the violin, unfortunately. Um, so there, you know, we won't be adding any violin sound effects. Norris puts his hand to his head in the next panel. He looks pained and he says, That music makes me dizzy. Can't, can't control myself. A forbidding figure stalks out of the opposite doorway and appears before the gates. You'd think you'd have some doors as well as gates to get into the 10th National Bank. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. But anyway, yes, this scary figure has approached Norris and he's saying, So, I knew it. Hypnosis through music is possible. Guard, you are my slave. Open the gates. I, I obey, master. A ghastly procession wends through the deserted bank. Yes, lovely marble columns here. This is obviously what the banks spend their profits on. See Norris leading the fiddler. Norris is saying, This way to the vault, master. And the chap with the violin is thinking, 
he is completely in my power. Subject to another's will, Norris opens the vault and hands over the cash. Yes, we see him passing a bag to the fiddler, and he says, The thousand dollar bills are in this bag. Thanks, fool, and farewell. You were honoured to be the first victim of the fiddler. A slow dissolve to open the next page, the first caption says. Next day at police headquarters, Sergeant Kent reports to his daughter Susan and Jim Barr, police analyst. Sergeant Kent is an older gentleman with white hair. His daughter Susan, very attractive, vivacious looking lady in a tight red blouse. And Jim Barr is wearing a white tunic. The sergeant is saying, The 10th National Stick-Up was an inside job, Susan, although the guard hasn't confessed yet, but we've got him downstairs in a cell. Maybe you're right, Dad. Alone, the young pair hatch plans. Just Jim and Susan at this point. Jim Barr says, The papers say Norris was in a kind of hypnotic trance when they found him. There's something funny about this case. Well, what are we waiting for, Jim? Let's go down and question Norris. A cell downstairs. Yep, Norris looking very unhappy, sat on the... Oh, it's a kind of drop-down bench almost. You can see the chain attaching to the wall. They're obviously not very comfortable. Jim and Susan are there. Jim is saying, If you're innocent, Norris, we'll help you. Tell us the whole story. I, I swear I'm not guilty, sir. I was on duty when I heard a queer kind of violin music. And then my mind's a blank. That's all I remember. I'm an honest man. There, there, old-timer. We'll do our best for you. Oh, poor Norris. A slow dissolve. Later, yes, and Susan and Jim are obviously sat in his in his laboratory. We can see some equipment, some bell jars, some technical miners in the wall, and rather alarmingly, there's a human skull on the mm. shelf behind him. Alas, poor Yorick. Susan's perched on a bench, the legs crossed, looking ravishing. And she says, "I believe that man's story, Jim." But we'll have to prove it. Now, if the thief knew about that extra cash at the Tenth National, he probably knows about the shipment of bullion at the Farmers Reserve. He might try and snatch that bullion tonight. But if I know you, Bullet Man and Bullet Girl will be on hand to stop him, says Susan, putting a hand on Jim's shoulder. We arrive at the top of the fourth story page, and the first caption says, Secretly, Jim Barr and Susan Kent operate as Bullet Man and Bullet Girl. That night, a rooftop opposite the Farmer's Reserve. Mm. Yes, it's a high-angle panel. We're on top of a roof with Susan and Jim in their superhero costumes. They're looking down. A couple of iconic columns surrounding a doorway, a couple of uniformed guards. The Farmer's Reserve. That sounds like a pub or something, doesn't it? <laughs> Bullet Girl is saying, Look at those thick doors and those two guards. It'd take a small army to crack that bank. And not a sign of trouble. No. Listen. Out of the secret night comes the eerie hypnotic wail of a tortured violin. Excellent panel showing the fiddler completely in silhouette, walking amongst the trees that are obviously growing out the side of the side of the road. Lovely little fire hydrant detail in the background, and again we see the mournful notes drifting through the air. The mournful notes supported menswear at the Hammersmith, <laughs> Hammersmith Apollo. Or possibly at the Bristol Fleece and Firkin or LA2 London or the Reading TUC reading off the... Did you know that Montrose Avenue's sole album, you know, the, the band that menswear could have been, is, has recently been reissued by Demon Music? I heard that rumour. My favourite drummer, the chap that men's were having common, did a big, nice long thread about it on Twitter a few weeks ago. It was very, very interesting getting his thoughts on it all. So listeners, go and buy a copy of 30 Days Out with the Montrose Avenue on vinyl and listen to it because it's marvellous. So yes, we're back on the rooftop with Bullet Girl and Bullet Man. Bullet Girl puts her hand to her head as the notes drift past and she says, That music! A violin! Those guards are staggering! 
And I feel a little funny myself. We can see the guards down at the pavement. They also have their hands to their heads, looking very uncomfortable as Bulletman observes. Steady, Susan. We've got a job to do. Caption for the next panel. The hawk-like figure of the fiddler approaches. Yes, he walks up to the two guards and says, Slaves, you are in my power. Switch off the alarm and open the doors. And the two guards say as one, We obey, master. Two battling bullets plunge to the attack. Yes, Bulletman and Bullet Girl fly down from the rooftop. Bulletman saying, That's our cue. And there's our man. Let's go. In the next panel, they fly up to the fiddler and they both punch him. Bulletman says, Pleased to meet your jaw. What the? exclaims the fiddler as Bullet Girl strikes the back of his head saying, Impolite to turn your back on visitors. Caption for the first panel of the next page. Baffled, the fiddler calls on his victims for aid. Yes, we see he's had his hat knocked off, the poor old soul. Shouldn't say that, he's a bad guy. But anyway, he says, Slaves, obey me. Kill these two. And the two guards say, Yes, master. Bulletman says, Uh-oh, those boys need a little waking up. In the next panel, the fiddler says, Shoot them down. And one of the guards says, We will. Oh. But he's taken out. There's a blam and a wham as Bulletman slaps them both, saying, Snap out of it, fellas. And in the next panel, the guards have come to their senses. The first one says, Say, what in, what's going on here? Bulletman replies, That crook hypnotized you. Try to make murderers of you. Cornered, the rat lashes out furiously. This is horrendous. This is desperately violent. The fiddler has recovered his hat, but he's also pulled a pistol. And he says, I'll teach you to fiddle with the fiddler. And with a couple of bang-bangs, he shoots the two bank guards. <sighs> Awful. Bullet Girl cries, The dirty killer! And as Bulletman and Bullet Girl advance on the fiddler, he fires again. But Bulletman says, Hey, those things tickle. Cut it out. Yes, because we can see that they're being deflected by their, their, their helmets. The grotesquely featured fiddlers in the foreground of the panel cries, Bullets bounce off them. I'll have to run for it. In the first panel of the next page, page 26 of the comic, if you're reading along at home, we see the fiddler climbing into his vehicle. It's a very bright and shiny red motor that he has nearby. As he gets in, he says, They'll never catch me now. They have no car. Bulletman and Bullet Girl are in the background. Bulletman says, Listen to him talk. If we have no car, I guess we'll have to fly. And indeed, the caption for the next panel says, The avenging pair take to the skyways. Now, there's almost a suggestion here that they've got some kind of supervision. There's sort of almost like a telescope point of view sort of mm-hmm. shape to the, the way they're looking down. But basically, Bullet Girl and Bullet Man are flying overhead and they can see the fiddler's car speeding along. Bullet Girl says, There he is, driving onto that ferry, and the boat's about to leave. We've got to stop him. Come on. They land in the next panel, but they're a bit too late. Bullet Girl says, Darn, the boat's pulled out. Maybe this rope will persuade it to stop. Yep, and he's successful. They manage to lasso part of the boat. Bullet Girl cries, Made it. Bullet Man says, Want to learn to walk a tightrope just for fun? It'll be a change from flying. And in the next panel, we see them walking along a tightrope towards the ferry. Daintily walking. Yes. I like Bullet Girl's heels. Why didn't they just fly over? They've, you know, they've secured it with the rope. Why didn't they just, I don't know. Because they're having a bit of fun while they're catching a double murderer. Yeah. Shake my head. Bullet Girl <laughs> says, Oops, that water looks awful wet. Just keep your eyes ahead. We've got a mad killer to catch. In the next panel, they've made it onto the ferry. However, the fiddler is making his escape, leaping down towards a small boat that's passing in front of the ferry. Bullet Man says, There he goes, diving for that motorboat. And the fiddler replies, You haven't got me yet. 
And then top of page 27 of the comic now, fiddles at it again. He shoots the man who's driving the motorboat. He falls back with an ah, there's a bang as the fiddler says, at least bullets don't bounce off you. Thanks for the boat. He's heartless. Mm. This is very unusual, He's isn't it? absolutely vile, yes. We don't normally get stuff like, you know, baddies just <laughs> shooting people dead. Oh my goodness. He goes roaring off in the motorboat in the next panel, leaving Bulletman and Bullet Girl behind in the ferry as Bulletman says, We can never catch him in that fog. He slipped through our fingers this time. Yes, we can see there's, it's not too clear the way it's been rendered, but we can see some sort of cloud and mist drifting in. Bullet Girl puts a reassuring hand on Bulletman's shoulder and says, You're not going to let him beat you. That kind of criminal doesn't stay quiet long. I have a hunch we'll hear from the fiddler soon. And indeed, a slow dissolve in a caption that says, Some days later. Some days later, getting the words wrong, wasting the meaning and losing the rhyme, is a Tom Petty quote for you this week. A shot of a newspaper. We're not sure what the full title is. I'm guessing Daily Star. But there's a headline that says, Jan Corvo, famous violinist, to play at Carmody Hall for Navy Relief. Navy Relief. There's nothing better than giving a hand to a sailor. The next panel we see Jim Barr and Susan. There needs to be a Bulletman movie. They should have made it like eight years ago in a Chris Pratt and Jennifer Lawrence really, shouldn't they? Because <laughs> that's who I'm reminded of in this panel, quite yeah. frankly. Mm-hmm. Jim's holding the newspaper and he's saying, Would you like to go to the Corvo violin recital, Susan? I can still get seats. Sure, says Susan. And then the caption for the next panel. The night of the concert. Jan Corvo drives to the city. Yes, we're inside Jan Corvo's expensive car. Sure, driven car. Jan Looks a little bit like Zatara, and as much as he's got a top hat and he's wearing a, a very fancy dinner suit, Jan is saying, Hurry, man, and we must get to Carmody Hall in half an hour. We'll be there in plenty of time, Mr. Corvo, replies his chauffeur, a caption for the final panel of this page. Swiftly, another car darts out of a side road. Yes, and almost rams into them. Manon cries, What are you trying to do? And a voice from inside this red vehicle says, Pull over and stop. The next panel... We see the fiddler has opened the door to Jan Corvo's vehicle. Jan Corvo says, What's the meaning of this outrage? The fiddler replies, Quiet. Chauffeur, drive on and take the next left turning. Stop when you get to a wooden shack. I'll tell you where. In a lonely shack nearby. We see that the chauffeur and Jan have been tied to a couple of chairs. And there's a, an interesting sort of mirror with lights around it that you get in theatrical changing rooms in this old mm-hmm. shack. I wonder what's going to happen here. Fiddler is saying, I hope you're quite comfortable. Now, Mr. Colvo, I shall proceed to make up exactly like you. You see there's actually a jar of grease paint on the, the counter, which is quite fun. Fiddler continues in the next panel. Then I shall go to Kamori Hall, hypnotise your rich audience with my violin and collect a fortune in jewels and cash. He's putting on a wig and applying a fake beard here. Jan Corvo says, You'll never get away with it. In the next panel, we see that Manon, the chauffeur, has managed to, well, loosen his ropes and he thinks, My hands, they're free. In the background of this panel, the fiddler is saying, We'll see whether or not I get away with it, Mr. Corvo. Manon stands up, makes a rush forward the next panel, saying, You'll never get there to... Oh! He's cut off because, oh my goodness, the fiddler has pulled his gun again and shot him. Oh my goodness, this is a bloodbath. The fiddler says, Simpleton, I saw you in the mirror. He starts to take his leave in the next panel. We can see he's transformed himself so that he doesn't look like the grotesque fiddler. He looks very much like Jan Corvo, much more handsome and dashing, wearing a, a replica of Jan's outfit. You can see Manon down on the floor of the shack in the background. And as he exits, the fiddler is saying, Adieu. I go to put your audience to sleep and relieve them of a heavy load of cash. And Jan Corvo cries after him, 
Murderer! So we arrive at the top of page 29. Even then, at police headquarters... And we can see Susan and Jim. Susan dressed in black on this occasion. Jim's at his desk, got a bit of paperwork going on. Susan's saying, Come on, Jim, we're almost late for the concert. Just want to sign this report. As he's doing so, but then his desk phone rings in the next panel. Darn, just as I'm leaving. And the caption for the next panel... A dying voice gasps out a message. Yes, inexplicably, Manon has Jim Barr's direct telephone number. Could just be the exchange for the police. Put me through to the police. Put me through to the police analyst. Maybe he knows he was Bulletman. Possibly. Possibly not. But it's, yes, it's, it's a stroke of luck that Manon managed to get through to a superhero. But Manon grasping the old style phone and saying, Man kidnapped Mr. Corvo. Made up like him. Going to hypnotise audience with a violin. Rob them. Gosh, a dying voice. My goodness. Manon, we barely knew you. The caption for the next panel. The bullet pair leap into action. Yes, Susan's already got her bullet girl outfit on, but Jim's still getting changed as bullet girl says, Sounds like the fiddler. You were right. We heard from him soon enough. And after all this trouble I had with this collar. Boy, now I'm really fighting mad. Awesome. See, it's grim dark, isn't it? And then light humour. It, it walks the thin line. The caption mm. for the final panel of this page. Often an errand of relentless justice streak bullet man and his avenging friend. Cracking shot them both having exited from a window and flying away, Susan says, Ho for Carmody Hall! I certainly didn't expect to go there in this outfit. Me neither, and I'm dying for a little sparring match with that fiddler. The caption then for the first panel of the next page. Meanwhile, out on the stage of Carmody Hall strides the disguised fiddler. Yes, Carmody Hall looks lush. We can see dozens and dozens of appointed, well-appointed, smartly-dressed individuals not concerned by the raging World War II that's going or anything. Is On the stage, we can see a piano and what appears to be Corvo striding on stage. The crowd are crying, Bravo, bravo Corvo! Corvo bravo, bravo! Bravo, Corvo! And we get a close-up of the disguised fiddler in the next panel as he starts to play as he thinks. Now, to put 2,000 rich fools to an hypnotic sleep. We see a slightly overweight gentleman in the next panel and a slightly overweight, dolled up wife nudges him in the chest with an elbow as she says, Rudolph, you always go to sleep at concerts. In the next panel, it's a younger couple. The lady doesn't look too impressed. The man's got a cracking big nose. The artwork in this is really, 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 mm-hmm. really nice. The lady is saying, Don't go to sleep, Homer. You're a critic. Supposed to write a review. Got my review written already, dear. I'm sleepy. And then the caption for the next panel says A deep blanket of sleep descends over the entire audience. Yeah, cracking shot from the behind the fiddler looking out over the auditorium as he still plays away in his violin, sending out the hypnotic notes, and he says Success The fiddler is master of them all. The next panel's a cracking shot from Amongst the stalls, showing the, the crowd asleep, the fiddler on the stage, with his hands raised triumphantly, saying, In my power, all of you, I shall come down and strip you of your possessions, one by one. But at that moment... Bullet Girl and Bullet Man have arrived. Bullet Girl says, This is Carmody Hall. And as he breaks through the, the glass ceiling, the crash, Bullet Man says, And this is our entrance. The next panel, rather spectacularly, they're standing on the chandelier that hangs above the auditorium. Bullet Girl says, the audience is asleep. And there's the Sandman who did it. Gosh. Well, that's another reason to justify doing this story. Unexpected Wesley Dodds appearance. Yes. Can you imagine? (laughs) 
I'm imagining it now. When we write our DC comic. <laughs> Bullet Man and, and Sandman. Sandman. Yep, Jinx, show me a Fanta. Team up against the fiddler, yep. but not that fiddler or that fiddler. We'll have to create another fiddler, or else maybe a couple of fiddlers. Maybe all the fiddlers. The fiddlers three, perhaps? Yes. Ooh, it writes itself, listeners, it does. doesn't it? Yeah. Down on the stage, the fiddler is still in his disguise, looks up and sees the, the bullet heroes and cries, Those two again! Plummeting through the huge hall, the bullet pair leap to the attack. Yeah, they fly down towards the stage. The disguised fiddler says, Can nothing stop them? As he fires his gun at the hero's bullet man says, Nothing you can do, you murdering Nero. Show us your real face, rats. Bullet man lands on the stage in the next panel with a slap and a whack sound effect. He sends the fiddler falling backwards and his disguise falls off. That's very amusing. The final panel of this page shows the fiddler on his back on the stage, but he's reaching behind him. As he thinks, good thing I know about the trapdoor here. Uh-oh. On the first panel of page 32, he disappears through the floor as Bullet Girl cries, He's escaping through that trapdoor! And ha-ha! cries the fiddler as he goes. Bullet Man says, We'll get him outside! And then indeed they are outside the next panel. As a car races off, presumably with a fiddler inside it, it's a green car this time, he must have loads of vehicles. He must have been doing this for ages to buy all these cars. He just steals the nearest one. I suppose that makes sense. Bullet Girl says, There he goes! Into the air, bullet girl. A race to a nearby airport. Yep. We see that Fiddler has arrived next to a large yellow aeroplane. We can see the two bulleteers flying down in the background. Fiddler approaches the plane saying, If that cursed pair can fly, so can I. Lucky I had this plane waiting. It is lucky he had this plane mm-hmm. waiting. The plane has taken off in the next panel. And amazingly, this is just tremendous. Bullet Man and Bullet Girl have flown down and they've each grabbed one of the wings. Bullet Man says, Mind if we tag along? I do so love flying, especially in a plane, says Bullet Girl. They climb in an open window in the next panel. <laughs> they climbed an open window. The fiddler is saying, If bullets won't hurt you, we'll see what a knife does. And he's holding a blade on them. Bullet Girl says, Oh dear, I'm afraid we're not welcome. This is n- knives and guns. This is vicious. Mm-hmm. Bullet Girl and Bullet Man move forward the next panel. Going for the fiddler, Bullet Man says, Mustn't play with knives, sonny. With a whop, Bullet Man strikes the fiddler, who indeed drops his knife. Bullet Man continues, Take the controls, Bullet Girl. Right, she says. And the caption for the first panel of the final page of the story says, Hurriedly, Bullet Man forces a written confession out of the murderer. <laughs> wow, yes. <laughs> So we can see that the fiddler has a piece of paper in his hand and a pen or a pencil and he's scribbled away. Bullet Man is saying, Now, sign it! Ah, all, all right, says the fiddler. The next panel, Bullet Man is standing up. He looks like he's folding up the piece of paper to put it in his belt and he says, This will clear the poor bank guard and explain a lot of things. In the background, however, the fiddler isn't having it. He fires his gun down into the plane saying, It'll never do you any good. I'll see to that. Bullets pumped into the gas tank set the plane afire swiftly. Yes, this is an epic panel. The plane is going down. The flames have spread very quickly. There's smoke coming from the tail of the plane. The wings are on fire. It's plummeting. But thankfully, Bullet Man and Bullet Girl managed to fly away. Bullet Man saying, Come on, Bullet Girl. We haven't time to say goodbye. I'm glad we don't need parachutes. And in the capsule for the next panel, The blazing pyre hurtles to the earth. Yes. Oh my goodness. The background of the panel is a massive boom as the plane collides with the grounds and explodes. Bullet Man and Bullet Girl have alighted. It's, it's a very pleasant scene actually. There's a nice little fence and some grass and some rocks and some, some trees. It's very, very scenic. They've landed in the ground to watch the explosion. Bullet Man says, And that's the end of the fiddler. Sooner or later, 
It happens to them all, says Bullet Girl, which gives me the sense, I haven't read a lot of Bullet Man stories, that do they quite regularly trap their enemies in plummeting, burning aeroplanes and watch them crash in the countryside? Quite possibly. Who can quite say? Possibly. It's a trope. Oh, if you say so. <laughs> the caption then for the final panel of this story. Next day at police headquarters. Sergeant Kent is reading from his newspaper, saying, Look at this. Audience of 2,000 sleeps entire night at Carmody Hall. How do you explain that? And we see Jim Barr and Susan in their civvies, Susan bearing a piece of paper, and she says, Maybe this confession will help, Dad. And the closing caption says, Never the ones to stay still long. Bullet Man and Bullet Girl zoom forth to fresh adventures next month. Be on hand when they tangle with new chills and thrills in the next issue of Bullet Man. Well, that was great fun, apart from all the violence. It was the most murdery one we've done <laughs> so far. Yes. That fiddler, he should have been called the shooter. Yes. <laughs> or the um, stabber. Or, or just the, the vicious murdering bastard, <laughs> quite frankly. It was a shocker. Yes. I mean, it was interesting how he, you know, after written, writing the confession, he he, sabotage, he causes, you know, the... Mm-hmm. And it's interesting that it's... You know, he shoots the gun, which makes the plane catch fire and explode. But it's very interesting that they just, having got his confession, just let him die. I don't know if there's a limitation of their powers that they can't carry people. I don't know if, if that's a thing. Maybe between the two that's of them, they could have at least thrown him away a I little bit. I, maybe he was, the flames are between him and them. Mm, I'm, that's reaching a bit. Looking at, because looking at that first part, it doesn't, you know, yeah. that, that must have happened off camera if that was the case. It's very interesting just to show them being so judgmental and obviously and that's the end of the fiddler sooner or later it happens to them all I mean I love that this uncorroboratable if that's such a word confession yes, from a uh, man who's now dead yes uh-huh yes uh, is going to be taken as evidence and the guard's going to be like oh. yeah Nor- Norris is <laughs> there should have been a panel of Norris arriving home to his wife and saying mm-hmm. oh you wouldn't believe the day I've had yeah very mm-hmm. very interesting it's very different to the other golden age stories that we've done already mm-hmm. I really like the artwork Loved, liked the layouts and stuff and the detail. Yeah. Some of the figure work's a bit basic, but you know, what'd you expect from 1942? No, that was that was very interesting. Yeah, I loved how it was pretty much a partnership between the two of them and, and not like sidekick. Yes. Bullet Girl was definitely like an equal partner in the whole yes. story. I thought that was great. You yes. know, it's really interesting, quite different. It, the whole dynamic of the two of them reminded me of like the old kind of like Thin Man stories, like movies yes. sort of thing. Got you know, you. it's very yes. much... It's, it's like Ralph and Sue, uh-huh. you know, if you want uh-huh. to think of it that way, you know, yeah. the elongated man and his wife, it's very much a partnership. Yes, I definitely. I find it really definitely. interesting. Yes. And a change from what we usually get, especially in the golden age. Yeah, I mean, compare this relationship to the, the Lois Lane and Clark Kent relationship that we've seen in mm-hmm. the various, or the Lois and Superman stories that we've seen in the, the various Lois stories, most yeah. of the Lois stories that we've yeah. done. It's very, very interesting. It's nice to see a mature sensible adult partnership mm-hmm. that's not all about her trying to find out who he is or trying to get off with him basically yeah very very good and the good thing is if you want to check out this story yourself you don't have to track down a copy of the issue because this is actually in the public domain mm. i found it from comic book plus okay which is the website that we use in the uk but i think digital comic museum is the u.s equivalent right so yes it should be available there so please check it out because yes it's incredibly fun and exciting and quite different for the yes. time it's, it's really engaging and so much fun. Yeah. F a bit Kelly. I'm still struck by that. I mean, that's that's a phenomenal death count. It's um, brutal. Yeah. We'll certainly put a few panels from this story up on the socials list. Mm-hmm. Yes. Obviously, be sure to check those out. So, out of our three fiddlers, that's number one down. Indeed. Stay tuned for the next one. So, it's time for our second fiddle, 
our second fiddler. We're doing a story now from issue 49 of Whiz Comics. Exciting. <laughs> Published on the 12th of November, 1943. Which is interesting because it's precisely 47 years to the day before I went to see Ghost, the Demi Moore and Patrick Swayze movie at the cinema for the first time. You should see someone about Spectrum that. Spectrum Brain. Yes. The amount of crap that is logs in my head <laughs> that I can instantly recall listeners. It's unbelievable. Do I know what I did yesterday? I would have to think about it. But what did I do on the 26th of April 1991? I could tell you straight away. Anyway, do you want to tell everyone about the cover to Whiz Comics issue 49? Yes, I'll tell you all about this totally irrelevant cover because yes. it's nothing to do with the story we're covering. Ooh. We have in two circular inset panels at the top corner, Captain Marvel and Spy Smasher. Gosh. We have the Whiz Comics banner. It's a lovely orange background. And we have Captain Marvel himself playing the piano and singing to the reader as he's sitting atop a defeated Nazi soldier. <laughs> Gosh, it's hilarious. And his song goes like this. Forward march, the cry rings out. Forward on the double, our ships and planes, our tanks and guns. We'll give the axes trouble. March to the factory, march to the field, millions of marching feet forward, there's no retreat. Fantastic, Peter. Round of applause, everyone. There you go. Superb. Uh, I don't know if that's an actual song. If it is, I've totally made up the tune to it. That was great. <laughs> first, is that, we've talked about them before, but it's certainly the first cover appearance of the original Captain Marvel in this podcast. Oh, I, I think, think it is, yes. As our general chronometer flies, we have reached 1970s, so it's the tail end of 1972 when issue one of Shazam is first published. So we're not that far away from it. He will be with us before you know it. But of course, in time-honoured Earth 2 podcast tradition, that cover which Peter so graciously and carefully detailed for us has nothing to do with the story we're about to read. Because the story we're about to read does not feature Captain Marvel or Spy Smasher, sadly, but we will see them both in a podcast eventually. It features a character called Golden Arrow. Gasp. Peter is going to give you a little bit of background on the Golden Arrow. Golden Arrow first appeared in Wiz Comics issue 2. Now that's the issue that Captain Marvel himself first appeared in. Wow. So yes, that is going way back. Is there a series featuring Mary Golden Arrow or Golden Arrow Jr.? When we write the RTC comic, <laughs> then certainly we can do that. Hey, God, can you imagine like if they made a film of it now, there'd be a scene at the end when, like, spoilers, all of the kids cry Golden Arrow and they all get powers. <laughs> Wouldn't that be amazing? I thought it was just going to team up with the Spider and Green Arrow and Speedy. Yeah. Yeah, it'd be quite exciting. And that came out... Wiz Comics issue 2 came out on the 1st of December 1939. Yeah. So that's the 30s he actually debuted. That's fantastic. Think about that. That is really cool. Now, when people think about comic archers, Green Arrow's your main go-to guy that you think of. But of yes. course, there was also Alias the Spider, the quality comics published mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. But preceding both of them was Golden Arrow because, as I said, December 1st, 1939, Golden yes. Arrow first appeared. Alias the Spider, or just the Spider first appeared in Crack Comics number one, which came out on the 27th of March 1940, a few months later. And Green Arrow, yes, lagging behind, yes, he come first on, appeared Oliver. in More Fun Comics number 73, and yep. that came out on the 21st of September 1941, yep. much, much later on. That's fascinating. Yep. I mean, Golden Arrow, it's a Western story, yes. isn't it? It's a Western strip. It's mm-hmm. not really a superhero as such. He's quite a handsome young man. Curly blonde hair, short curly blonde hair, and rides a beautiful big horse called White Wind. Yeah, it's interesting. It's, I mean, period Western superheroes. Obviously, we talked about Johnny Thunder a long time ago in the Trigger mm-hmm. Twins briefly yeah. a while ago. So it's nice to have another one sort of pop up. Yep. Mix these things up a little bit. So, yes, we're now doing this story featuring Golden Arrow from Wiz Comics 49. 
and our opening splash panel shows a youngish looking fellow in a white shirt, purple trousers, and a blue neck scarf, kind of short sandy coloured hair, being attacked by three very grotesque looking rogues. There's a slight yes. caricature element to some of the artwork mm-hmm. in this story. The, the baddies look very bad and the heroes look very heroic and the, the gormless innocents look particularly gormless and innocent. So this chap has a violin in his left hand and he's got his bow in his right hand and he's using these to try and beat back the three nasty looking men who are attacking him. And in the background, on his horse, is Golden Arrow watching what's going on. And the title, such as it is for this adventure, is... Golden Golden Arrow and the Fiddler. Yes, and what's fun is the the two Ds in Fiddler have been replaced by some violins. Fantastic. That's some nice artistry there. There's a caption for this opening panel. The Fiddler preached the gospel of meekness and music, but when bullets began to hum a different tune, he called on Golden Arrow, bowman extraordinary, and the fierce song of Golden Arrow's feathered shaft blends in vengeful harmony with the music from the fiddler's bow. I'm glad it wasn't a vengeful shaft, because that would have taken us into some dark places. So, if you're reading along from your copy of Wiz Comics, this is from page 20, (laughs) the first story panel properly shows our fiddler, as I say, Chris Sandy coloured hair. Peter and I remarked in our preparation that he looks very much like Nicholas Lindhurst. Yes. The British comedy actor famous for sitcoms like Goodnight Sweetheart and Butterflies and, of course, Only Fools and Horses. So if you want to picture Nicholas Lindhurst as the fiddler, if you know who that is, <laughs> maybe not our, our, our overseas listeners, that might make it easier for you. So this first story panel proper, we can see that the fiddler is stood at the front of his wagon, his horse-drawn wagon. He has a little crowd around him and he's saying... Folks, today I am to give you a one-man concert on my fiddle. But first, I gotta get me a hole. Get get me a hole. What does that mean? Get me a hole. Get a place to to play. Oh, I see. Yeah. Right. Oh, I thought yeah. he was just gonna give the impromptu concert from the back no, of no. his. Yeah. Right. So he needs a hole. Right. Mm-hmm. There we go. Then I can't mm-hmm. even understand the dialogue. I'm saying, <laughs> listeners. A nice man in the crowd says, "You can use my place, Crossley's Cantina, and welcome you are." He stepped down from his wagon. The next panel, surrounded by a bunch of smiling grotesques. This artwork is just stunning, frankly. And he's saying, Well, that's right generous of you. Step inside, folks. The festivities are about to commence. And one chap with a large thick moustache and large deep red hat, he says, Come on, Ma. We ain't heard any fiddling since our Lucy was hitched. Tremendous. So we arrive at the first panel. The second story page. Inside Crosley's Cantina, the fiddler is sat on a tall stool, Everyone's having a great time dancing around. One guy cries. And the fiddler is singing, and I apologise in advance. I became a roving cowboy fiddler 14 years ago. Often long to go back home, but I just can't seem to go. The next panel, we cut to three shady-looking fellas sat around the table with their, their whiskey glasses in front of them. One guy in a blue hat, one guy in a brown hat with a red scarf, and another guy in a brown hat and a green waistcoat and a yellow scarf. All suitably grotesque. All very nasty looking, very evil. The first one in the blue hat says, Say, boss, the messenger just left the payroll for the Barracks Ranch in the tin can this town calls a bank. And his boss, who we later learn is called Rob Bearface, he replies, We'll crack it today and skip town. Let's get out of here. That blasted fiddler's getting my nerves. So they make their leave in the next panel, going out the saloon, and they knock the fiddler off his stool. Rob Bearface says, out of our way, you psalm-singing sissy. And off camera, a voice cries, Leave them be! They're armed! Yep, because don't get involved. And as they exit, one of 
Rob Bearface's other goon says, The only music we like is a jingle of gold. And as he takes his leave, Rob Bearface grabs the poor fiddler by the scruff of his neckerchief and says, Listen, you get moving and do your fiddling someplace else. And one of Bearface's goons contributes, Throw him out, bath. And the poor fiddler cries, But, but, and then the goon laughs in the next panel as Rob Bearface hurls the poor fiddler out of the door of the saloon. Rob Bearface saying, Git! And if you come back here, you'll have that fiddle for a tombstone. Final panel of this page. Fiddle's on his back on the ground, poor soul. Raising himself up, and he says, Thank heavens my fiddle didn't break. And our hero, Golden Arrow's arrived on his horse, and he pulls up the reins, sees what's going on, and says, Whoa, Whitewind, old boy. What's going on here, fiddler? Fiddler's got to his feet in the first panel of the next page, and he says to Golden Arrow, Bearface says he'll kill me if I don't leave town. He didn't like my fiddling and he darn near busted my fiddle. In the background, we can see Bearface and his two goons that were sat around the table. And one of them says, It's Golden Arrow. We can't tangle with him now. Scram. Yeah, we'd better beat it. In the background of panel two, the fiddler spots them leaving and says to Golden Arrow, There he goes now. Golden Arrow says, I'll soon stop that stampede now. And he draws a bead with his bow and arrow, the caption for the next panel. Swiftly, an arrow speeds through the air, and the escaping gunmen are sent sprawling. Yeah, the arrow lands on the ground in front of them, and Rob Bearface says, Help! I'm fallen! And the next panel, they've tripped over the arrow and fallen into a large amount of water. Uh, Make me sense, a bit in a trough there or something, maybe it's just a large puddle. Anyway, as they go into the water, Bearface says, <laughs> And then as they start to surface and emerge from the, the water on the next panel, he says, That's what I call a dirty trick. Golden Arrow and the Feather in the next panels, we see the Druket bad guys. Golden Arrow's saying, Go finish your concerts. I'm going to see that these coyotes don't bother you. Thanks, Golden Arrow. And then one of the Druket members of Rob Bearface's gang says, Oh, gee, he was only kidding. Top of the next page, Bearface's goon had the blue hat is saying, What are we going to do, boss? We can't rob the bank with Golden Arrow in town. That meddler can't stop me. We're taking that payroll now. A short time later, finds the villains at work. We've got it all. They sure got cattle rustling beat a mile. We see them emptying the safe that has the payroll. Suddenly, the watchman is coming on them, and he says, Say, what, what's going on here? Bearface says, It's the watchman. Beat it. I'll handle him. And he pulls a gun. Poor old watchman says in the next panel, Stop before I... Take it, punk. Ah! As Bearface... Shoots him in the stomach. Oh my goodness, this is horrendous. The next panel, they're climbing out a window and running away, bareface at the front with a big bag of cash, saying, If we're caught with this dough, we'll be sunk. We've got to hide it. Quick. Yeah, but where? Dump it in the fiddler's empty fiddle case. No one will ever think of looking for it there. That's what we see. We see them lifting up the fiddler's case, shoving the cash in. In the next panel, we can see a bunch of people emerging from the cantina, and the three bodies move towards it with Rob Bareface saying, the concert's over. Get in there and mingle with the crowd. So we'd have top of the next page. Seconds later... Yep, everyone looks very happy. Golden Arrow is with the fiddler. The fiddler's saying, Thanks, Golden Arrow. The folks seem to like my music. Best evening I ever spent. We use different kinds of bows, but our aim is the same. To help make people happy. Oh, that's nice. The next panel, the fiddler is on his horse and cart, and he's taking his leave. He's waving to the punters, and he says, Goodbye, folks. Thanks for the use of the hall. Bye. Goodbye. 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 However, someone runs in saying, The bank's been robbed. 
and the Watchmen shot. This chap was a fantastic wide-brimmed hat. And mm-hmm. again, must remark on the very stylized features that are given to all the characters. It's fascinating. He's talking to Golden Arrow in the next panel saying, Who could have done it? Everybody was in the cantina. Rob Bearface and his men weren't. I'd better check up on them. And the nice man in the background points out, There they are now. So, see Bearface in the next panel, and he's saying, You can't pin this on us, Golden Arrow. We ain't got the payroll. Searches. And we see Golden Arrow rummaging amongst their saddlebags, and he says, Looks like you're telling the truth this time. Now get. So, Bearface and his two goons convene in the next panel. The first one says, See, the fiddler's gone. Yeah, and if he find that donut Phil Keith, we're sunk. Come on, let's go get him. And they take to their horses and leave in the next panel. Golden Arrow watches them go, saying, They're in an awful hurry to leave town, but I still can't prove Rob Bearface had a hand in that robbery unless I find the payroll. I better tag them. He must have arrived in America quite recently (laughs) because he's still got his his accent. The first panel then of page 25 of Wiz Comics 49 is a dynamic action shot of Golden Arrow leaping into the back of his fine steed, who doesn't have a saddle, I notice. Mm, It's bare-backed as Golden Arrow. Interesting. Mm. Golden Arrow, as he leaps onto White Wind's back, he says, Come on, White Wind, we've got another job to do. They give Chase the next panel. Very helpfully, Golden Arrow tells us what he can see. There they go. Jumping Jehoshaphat! They're following the fiddler! Yes, in the background we can see the fiddler's wagon with Bareface and his goons chasing after him. Another action shot of Golden Arrow in the next panel. Hurry, boy! We've no time to lose! Okay, so, the next panel, Bareface and his gang have caught up with the fiddler and his wagon. The fiddler says, Hey! What do you want? Hold on there, fiddler! And then one of the other guys says, Whoa! As he tries to slow the fiddler's horse. In the next panel, everything has come to a stop. Bareface is approaching the fiddler as the fiddler says, I've got no money excepting what the folks threw me for my fiddling. And Bareface says, It ain't your money we're after, it's that fiddle case. Hand it over. Bareface reaches into the back of the wagon, but the fiddler's not having it. He says, Dang ye, get your hands off. And he punches Bareface very bravely, I think. Bareface cries, <laughs> I wonder if this is significant. It looks like the fiddler has dropped his fiddle. But anyway, we arrive at the top of the next panel and Bareface is wrestling with the fiddler. Bareface says, Don't you know fiddlers are supposed to fiddle, not fight? Gosh. The next panel, Bareface climbs into the wagon and grabs the fiddle case, saying, I got it! But then, entering stage right, or panel right, is Golden Arrow and White Wind. Golden Arrow says, You mean you had it? And he draws a bead, the caption for the next panel. The feathered shaft leaps from Golden Arrow's bow and pins the fiddle case to the wagon side. Yes! Fantastic! There's a nice ping sound effect as that takes place. Bareface can't believe his eyes. Golden Arrow leaps from the horse towards Bearface, but he also gives an instruction to his noble horse, saying, Go get that guy, White Wind! And Bearface cries, Golden Arrow, run! As he sees Golden Arrow leaping through the air towards him. In the next panel, Golden Arrow punches one of the goons, saying, It's roundup time! And with a wham, Golden Arrow punches one of the bad guys. And then with a sock, he strikes the other one, sending him flying over the, the fiddler who's still kneeling down on the ground, as the fiddler says, Okay, Golden Arrow! Then the first panel, the final page of the story is a cracker. The caption says, White Wind does his bit. Yes, the terrific noble steed who I want to see teaming up with Black Lightning. <gasps> at some point. Amazing. Yes. The brave and the bold horses. Can you imagine? I am imagining. <laughs> White Wind has grabbed Bareface by the bottom of his breeches and he's carrying him along in his mouth and a very undignified Rob Bareface says, Oh, let go. And then caption for the next panel after a slow dissolve. Some time later... Golden Arrow and the Fiddler are in the wagon with the three bad guys 
tied up, walking along behind it. And the fiddler is singing. There's a cow camp in the timber down by the Rio Grande, where Golden Arrow met the fiddler and together they beat the band. That's lovely. Back in the town, the next panel, you see Bareface and his goons standing there with the townsfolk in front of them. Golden Arrow addresses everyone saying, Here's the ordinary critters who robbed the bank, folks. And someone in the crowd says, But where's the payroll? They didn't have it on them when they left town. You looked in their saddlebags. Here it is. They hid it in the fiddler's violin case. Yes. Golden Arrow's open up the violin case to show all the cash inside. Fiddler standing behind him looks appalled. The man down the street says, Pretty slick, all right, but they couldn't fool Golden Arrow. The next panel is a close-up of the fiddler, who doesn't really look so much like Nicholas Lindholm, but he <laughs> looks astonished as he says, Well, I'll be danged. I wouldn't have fought so hard if I knew they were only after the money. I thought they wanted my fiddle. Wah, 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 wah. And the final panel, fiddler has his instrument in hand and his bow. He's playing away, singing, Tra-la-la, gave me my fiddle and a fiddle-dee-dee. Tra-la-la, no one can lick Golden Arrow and me. And Golden Arrow smiles indulgently as a closing caption says, Watch for Golden Arrow next month, and while you're waiting, buy war stamps. Yes. Well, that was fun, wasn't it? That was exceptionally good fun, yes. Um, The biggest thing, obviously, we noticed there was that the fiddler wasn't a supervillain. He wasn't, He was just a hapless, travelling troubadour bystander. Indeed. Yes, tons of fun. I loved, I mean, looking at that final page, Golden Arrow is almost caricature in his handsomeness and everyone else is just slight, you know. Yeah. It's almost like a Captain Scarlet puppet sharing a scene with some Thunderbirds puppets. Yes. Do you know what I mean? He looks very noble and clean and and human and they all look slightly caricatured and a little bit out there and a little bit, you know, exaggerated. And Mm -hmm. it's it's very, very interesting. It's very Um, heroic, kind of Roger Ramjetty sort of like Steve Rogers-y sort of perfect. Uh It's a very interesting sort of art choice. We haven't really seen anything really like that. It's almost like, Mm -hmm. I can't think of anything else that I've, that I've ever read where the hero has been so stylistically handsome and everyone else has just been Ugh. but yeah. no, that was that was a lot of fun and it rattled past. But yeah, the faces and all the <laughs> and all the characters were just bang on. They were just great. So much fun in, mm-hmm. in it. It's so good. I do like the idea of like the travelling busker, as it were, you know, yes. just the travelling fiddler in this case. I don't think he's hugely talented, to be honest. Certainly, you know. Well, you know, sim- <laughs> simpler times, people probably, you know, they wouldn't they wouldn't be expecting like a full PA system and a lights package and well, you know, a video wall kind of thing. Him sat on a on a stool. I mean, they said that they hadn't had something, mm-hmm. some, I'm sure there's a point where someone says they haven't had any music for a long, long time. So it's, yeah. it's an interesting insight into frontier life and quite a contrast from the, the busy, buzzing, you know, well-to-do punters of the Bulletman story going to the theatre for the evening, isn't Indeed, it? It is, yeah. You wonder about Golden Arrow's life. He's just like go from town to town on the back of this horse. He d- doesn't even have a saddle, you know. Yeah, it's... I mean, or does he? Ju- his bum must be killing him. Or does he just hang around this one town? Did this town actually get named in the story? I don't think. No, it not in the story. I don't or think, no. does he just live there? It's interesting that he's he, he just happens to be passing when it's all kicking off. But it's also interesting that there's no hint of a secret identity or a civilian name or anything no. like that. You know, no. that's not in the story. No. We, when we talked about Johnny Thunder and the, mm-hmm. the slightly convoluted and slightly unbelievable setup for yeah. for that whole thing, this mm. is very very different. He seems almost in contrast to the travelling fiddler, just to be a yeah. you know a loose wandering handsome man that does the right thing. <laughs> yep. So maybe he's independently wealthy or something. When I was looking into his background, I found something quite interesting. One of the sites said that his initial appearances were actually contemporary, and he was set in oh. like modern time, modern being nineteen forty. I've actually got the Treasury edition of Wiz Comics 2. 
and I dug that out and I read the story and his first appearance is set in the Old West. Right, okay. So I'm not sure if there was a shift and they decided to make him contemporary and then they moved it back. Moved it back again. Or if it's supposed to be a descendant of him or if there's time travel involved. Right. I've not dug into all these stories to find out. Listeners, if you want to, f- to dig into it, feel free. It's great. And as I said before about the Bullet Man story, this story is also available on Comic Book Plus and I believe Digital Comic Museum as well. Cool. Again, another public domain story. Please Excellent. check them out because it's so much fun. The artwork in this is fantastic. Yep. And as usual, we'll put a few selected panels on the socials. So if you're not able to check it out, you will, you'll get a, certainly get a taste of it. At least a panel a page, I think, because it's going to be a lot of fun picking these out because they were very, 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 very nice. Mm-hmm. Gold Narrow. Will we see you again in the podcast? Who can say? I don't know at this point in time. You well. never know. Never say never. <laughs> so that's then the second of our Fiddlers 3. And now for our third fiddle. <laughs> that just sounds so wrong. I know. Behave. This one, which stars Greg Sanders, Vigilante, who we met. Yeah. Who we met on the podcast very recently when we did JLA issues 78 and 79. Of course, Greg will return in the pages of JLA and the pages of Adventure Comics and the pages of World's Finest, amongst others. But before we get to our third story, Pete's going to give us some background detail on the fiddler that you were probably expecting, i.e. the one that Jay Garrick came up against a few times and who he indeed will come up against in our next episode. So, Pete, over to you. Yes, Isaac Bowen, the fiddler. He first fought... The Flash, and All Flash, issue 32. And that came out on the 29th of October, 1947. That's really late. It is really late, yeah. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. All Flash 32. Blimey. Yeah. And he only had four appearances in the Golden Age. Right. He then later appeared in Flash Comics 93. Violin of Villainy was the story. That was the 9th of January, 1948. Then... He teamed up with some other bad guys in the case of the Patriotic Crimes from All-Star Comics 41. Of course. That was 28th of April 1948. And again, 11th of June 1948, he comes back to The Flash in Comic Cavalcade 28 for The Flash Concerto. Ooh. So that's only four stories. Interesting. But the fiddler we're going to talk about just now is the fiddler that goes up against Greg Saunders' Vigilante. Now, mm. he also was a recurring villain. And would you believe he had... Seven Golden Age appearances. What? <laughs> I did not realize. Right. In our preparation, Pete made me aware that he was in a few. Right. And the one that we're going to do, there's a reason for doing it. We'll explain that reason shortly. Mm-hmm. But I didn't realize seven. Six of them before the Flash Fiddler appears. That's insane. Yes. So if anyone had a right to the name the Fiddler. It was this guy. It's Benjamin Bow is his name. Benjamin Bow, that's terrific. Wow. He first appeared in Action Comics 59, which came out on the 12th of February 1943. Wow. Years, four years before the other guy. That's insane. I mean, this reminds us, and I think we've said this before, like Greg Sanders, as well as having his own Fiddler to deal with, he also fought someone called The Shade. Mm -hmm. So we have a plan to do that story at some point, listeners, never fear. And it must be said that the Greg Sanders shade is a lot more similar, I think, to the the shade that we're familiar with than the one that Jay fought originally. Just a few character details, I think. Sure. Uh-huh. But yes, we will definitely do the, the Greg Sanders shade story at some point because the version of the shade that we're familiar with mostly, and this is getting yes. away from the point about listeners, but we'll wheel it back in a second. He's, he, again, is another one who only had one Golden Age appearance. Yes. And was completely retooled when he came back uh-huh. in Flash of Two Worlds. Yep, absolutely. Yes, that's you know, right. Completely different. So maybe we'll do the first shade story as well. I don't know. We'll see how we feel. <laughs> <laughs> so this all brings us then, all this 
chat and, and Bafoka brings us to the fact that the story we're doing today is the seventh appearance. Seventh appearance, seventh and final appearance. Appearance of the Golden Age Fiddler, as encountered <laughs> by Greg Sanders, the original, the OG Vigilante. Published then in issue 146 of Action Comics, which went on sale on 12th of May 1950, which just demonstrates Greg Sanders' tenacity and simply his longevity. I mean, because obviously mm-hmm. quite a few of the others had dropped by the wayside by this point, but oh, Greg is still is still going. And this is probably the best time to remind everyone to check out the excellent Prairie Justice podcast that covers the Vigilante Adventures. Ranger Gord does a fantastic job over there, and he does more kind of radio dramatizations of the stories, which is very exciting and very dynamic and still discusses them as well. But please check it out. Yep. It is tons and tons and tons of fun awesome and as we've said already greg's going to be back with us before too long but anyway right back to the plot do you want to tell everyone about the cover to action comics issue 146 yes in the grand tradition of the earth 2 podcast this has got nothing to do with the story we're going to cover (laughs) we have superman ripping open the door to a bank vault that people are trapped inside there's a guard there's the bank manager there's a woman inside they all look very grateful for being rescued oh thank goodness you were there big blue well done good man and at the top of the cover there's a caption that says, Thrills of the 21st century with Tommy Tomorrow. But if we were doing this properly, it'd be Thrills of the 21st century with Tommy Today. <laughs> so <laughs> Tommy Today? Oh my goodness. Yeah, that's a Grant Morrison character waiting to happen. Yeah, that's like Tommy Tomorrow from some... We're getting so far away from the point. Listen, <laughs> from some possible future, gets trapped in contemporary Earth and all mm. sorts of things. And when we write our DC comic, yes, it, we're definitely going to have Tommy today. Tommy in today it. will yeah. definitely feature. Gosh, mm. right. So on with the story. The opening splash panels, massive, massive, big vigilante logo, and we see an old school style. To me, it looks like an old sort of Spanish big sailing ship from hundreds of years ago. Rattling through the desert plains and sending up a massive cloud of dust. This is fascinating. We see, twirling his lasso, Greg Sanders the Vigilante and his pal Stuff, and they appear to be on some kind of, it's almost like caterpillar treads, it's like tank mm-hmm. treads. It's a very enhanced version of the sort of motorbike thing we'd expect to see them on. There's a couple of cactuses, there's a bit of a cliff edge, and there's a massive rolled scroll caption that says... Ever hear about the treasure-laden Spanish galleon that somehow got lost in a western desert 400 years ago and supposedly lies there yet? Greg Saunders, the prairie troubadour, doesn't take the tale seriously when he turns it into a popular ballad. But that menacing magician, the fiddler, does. And the valiant vigilante soon finds himself crossing the burning sands to track down a real ship with a glittering cargo as he tackles the fantastic mystery of... The, the Galleon, Galleon in, in the, the desert. desert! Wow! So, straight in we go. There's a charmingly illustrated first caption for the first panel. Recalling frontier days, the Great Western Exposition opens at the desert's edge with colourful kerosene flares and rich melody. And it's a bit of a carnival scene, I suppose, that we see in this first panel. It's a giant Indian statue, a giant TP, a couple of kids in the foreground couple of guys something under a sign one that seems to say pete's hotel yay all are welcome i didn't know you had a hotel interesting uh, a lot i don't tell you oh i heard that rumor i started it and there's a couple of young ladies who can hear a voice that's singing and the voice that's singing <laughs> is proclaiming now hark to my dirge for a queen of the seas a proud spanish galleon the donna louise and one of the young ladies clasps her hands and says, Doesn't his voice thrill you? 
Caption to the next panel. The voice belongs to Greg Sanders, the prairie troubadour whose most faithful fan is his pal Stuff. Yeah, we see Greg on stage, wearing not his superhero gear. I mean, from this distance, it looks like a bit of a brown suede jacket. Disappointingly, I can't see massive amounts of tassels hanging from it, so he doesn't look quite <laughs> like, like Michael Nesmith or Gene Clark, sadly. We can see the crowd all standing around. There's a spectacular comb over on one gentleman, and we can see stuff down the front as well, which is nice. And Greg's up on stage. There's a microphone hanging in front of him, and he's singing, She carried vast riches of silver and gold. The wealth of the new world piled high in her hold. And Stuff says to someone in the crowd, That's my buddy, chum. And the caption for the next panel. But not even Greg can please everybody. Shakes, the underworld poet, and Dictionary, the crook with the 18-carat vocabulary, prefer other music. Off camera, we can still hear Greg's voice singing. When speeded and guided by fate's cruel hand, she sailed over the desert to sink in the sand. And we get our first look at... Dictionary and shakes. Now, dictionary, if you can imagine David Tennant wearing a jaunty <laughs> yellow hat, but wearing glasses that make him look like one of the old ladies from the Far Side cartoons. Yes, perfect. And shakes, who's kind of thicker set, a bit jowly. If you can imagine a sort of Western looking Oscar Wilde, he's a big bow tie and a hat, thick dark hair, and as I say, a bit of a jowly expression. Dictionary is saying, I wish that vapid vocalist would terminate his rendition. And shakes says, how can we hear the fiddler clear while boisterous ballads fill the ear? Tremendous. The caption in for the next panel. The fiddler, archenemy of the vigilante, poses as a blind beggar while giving musical orders to his henchmen. Yes, and this fiddler is in the foreground of the panel. Now, picture if you will, Dr. Octopus without mm-hmm. his tentacles but wearing a big hat and a cape. Does that sound fair? Bang on. Awesome. And he's in the foreground of the panel playing his fiddle and we can see the notes drifting from it and we see shakes and dictionary in the background. And Dictionary is thinking, the music directs us to proceed. And then he bumps into a gentleman in a blue suit next to him. And he says, oops, forgive my clumsiness, sir. Shakes is dipping into the gentleman's back trouser pocket as Dictionary bumps into him. Very, very interesting. The gentleman says, oh yeah? Then the caption for the next panel. Only this time the crooks pick a wrong victim. Yes, this man in the blue suit, he's not having it. He's not playing the game. He grabs Dictionary by his tie and he grabs Shakes by the wrist. And the victim says... Caught you. I know all about pickpockets and their tricks. Somebody call a cop. Shake says, What have I done? Had I but known, I thought your pocket was my own. Awesome. The caption then for the final panel of page two. But swiftly, the fiddler changes his tune and... We're up on a stage with a what looks like a, a songstress and a, another dancer. And the front of the stage has caught fire. The singer girl is saying, Run, Sadie. The blind guy tipped the torch and the joint's going up in smoke. Yes, obviously they think the fiddler is blind because of the dark glasses that he wears. And we can see the fiddler in the foreground of the panel still fiddling. And he's bumped into something in front of him. Obviously some kind of decorative part of the stage. And it's that which has fallen over and caught fire. We can see in the background Dictionary and Shakes making their exit. As Dictionary says, A fortunate occurrence, Shakes. Listen, the maestro instructs us to take advantage of the confusion to obtain funds by more direct means. And so we arrive at the top of page three. Just then, the Prairie Troubadour, his programme ended, passes the scene of confusion. Yes, we see Greg and Stuff in Greg's big yellow motor car. And Stuff says, Look, Greg, a fire! Hurry, Stuff, fetch my motorcycle from the corral. We'll see if Vigilante can give any help. A lightning change of costume, Greg becomes Vigilante, rough-riding crime buster. Yes, we see Greg with his hat on and his blue tunic, and he's fixing his red mask as he says, it might be accidental, and it might be the work of vicious robbers. That's right, Vidge. 
The Hall of Riches, full of gold and silver, mined in these parts, is right nearby. Yes, Stuff says that as indeed he gets the, the motorbike out the back of the car. Seconds later... Uh-oh. And we're back with Dictionary in the foreground of the panel, who's pointing a gun at someone in a booth, which we're not quite sure what the booth's for, but apparently it costs 20 cents to get in. Gosh, low stakes. Yeah. Dictionary's saying, pass me the lucre, chum, or take the painful consequences. And in the background of the panel, Vigilante and stuff are riding in the motorcycle. Greg's got his lasso in the air, and Vigilante's saying, there is crooked work afoot. That gunman looks like someone I've met before. Which is probably the perfect opportunity for you to say. Yes, both Shakes and Dictionary have been recurring villains in the Vigilante series. That's very interesting. Yeah, yes. So it's when, not just the fiddler. It's when are we getting a 75 years of Shakes and Dictionary? Hardback DC Comics, Gosh, that's yes. what I want to know. Anyway, caption for panel four. But as Vigilante's noose connects. Yep, wrapped around Dictionary causing all sorts of havoc. And as Dictionary says, hey, somebody's queering my pitch. I mean, interfering with my occupation. And in the background, Stuff remarks... Watch out, Vidge! That statue! Yes, because it seems as though that the rope has caught a statue and that's fallen over in the background as well. Now, next panel, very interesting. In the foreground of the panel, we see the fiddler still in his wide-brimmed hat and his Dr Octopus shades as the motorbike crashes and Greg and Stuff go flying. And the fiddler spots this and says... So, Vigilante, we match wits again. But this time... The fiddler will call the tune, and you shall dance to it. Gosh. The caption for the final panel of page three says, When the dazed partners pick themselves up... Yes, we see Stuff rubbing his head, and a gentleman coming to their assistance. The gentleman coming to their assistance says, The blind violinist and two others got away into the crowd. It's too late to catch them. Vigilante says, That violinist isn't blind. He and his two pals are notorious outlaws, but I'll catch up with them. And so, slow dissolve. Next day, as a sand cycle with caterpillar tread speeds the manhunters over desert sand. <laughs> the manhunters. There we go. There you go. Mm-hmm. Add that to the list. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yes, this is a ferocious looking bit of kit that um, oh God, yes. the vigilante and stuff have got here. As we say, imagine a motorcycle chassis, but with two massive tank-sized caterpillar treads glued on the side. It's phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Roaring through the sand, vigilante says... Crooks fleeing the law couldn't pick a better hiding place than the desert. We can see that behind Vigilante, Stuff is peering into the distance and he says, Oh, oh, pinch me, Vig. I must be dreaming. That thing I see can't be a sailing ship. That's a very interesting panel. We're kind of behind Vigilante and Stuff as they look outward into the desert and the sky is sort of rippling in blue and the sailing ship that Stuff has spotted, it's, it's almost like it's upside down. Mm-hmm. Like it's floating upside down in the sky. Vigilante, he looks pretty damn cool in this panel, it must be said, says, That's just a mirage, Stuff. Rarefied desert air is causing upside-down reflection of a freighter in the Pacific, at least 50 miles away. Shucks. I was hoping it might be that lost treasure ship, the one you were singing about last night. It was probably a similar mirage that started the legend of the Donna Louise centuries ago. There were no known records of any such vessel. Nobody believes there's really a galleon lost in this desert. There you go, spoiling my plans for a treasure hunt. And with a... A full sun in the sky overhead, they <laughs> roar off into the desert. Perhaps Vigilante wouldn't be so certain it was a legend if he knew that only a short distance ahead is buried a real galleon. Yes. Wow. That's indeed what we see, a real galleon with the fiddler in front of it and also shakes and dictionary as well. The sequ- we can see a tractor with a chain attached to the, the galleon. And dictionary, who's stripped down to his shirt sleeves and appears to be carrying a large hammer, is saying, To think... I went on the heist, I mean, espoused a life of crime to escape menial labour. 
To which the feather replies, Climb to the top of the dune, Shakes, and make sure we're alone out here. Yes, and he points and Shakes moves off. The caption for the next panel. As Shakes scans the horizon. Yes, we can see him pointing into the distance. He spotted something. He says, Alas, alack, our scheme has failed. The fitch is coming. We've been trailed. In the foreground of the panel, Dr. Octopus, I mean, sorry, the fiddler says, Fool! It's the best thing that could happen. We'll get that pest out of our hair for good. Cover that chain with sand and follow me. Interesting. You must be talking about the chain that was attached to the galleon from the tractor. The caption for the final panel of page four. Unaware that a cunning trap awaits him, Vigilante spies the 16th century ship and speeds toward it. Yes, the fantastic caterpillar tread device hurtles across the sand. Stuff says, Oh gee, oh golly, Vig, we found it, the last Anna Louise. We found something, Stuff, but from here, it looks as if somebody else beat us to it. Suddenly, in the foreground of the panel, the fiddler cries, Now! And we see in the background, Shakes and Dictionary pulling on the chain so that it comes up and gets in the way of Vigilante and Stuff. Vigilante cries, Yow! We're being dry gulch and there's no time to stop. And then he cries, Oof! In the next panel, as they collide with the chain, there's a clanking sound effect as their caterpillar device keeps going and they're weaked off the chain and hurled into the sand. The fiddler dances with joy and cries, Cover them! One of you cut that motor and the tractor cycle and bring it up on the leeward slope. Soon? Yep. A little time has passed, obviously. The fiddler is saying, Climb on, stuff, and you, shakes. Be sure to tie the big fellow's hands and feet real tight. Yes, we can see that Vigilante has had his feet tied, his hands tied. Looks all stuffed at his hands tied behind his back. Shakes is down, securing Greg on the caterpillar tread, as Dictionary seems to be doing some digging in the background. Shakes says, Rely on me. If he gets loose, I'll know that I'll have cooked my goose. Awesome. The caption for panel four of page five. Binding the prairie sleuths to the heavy cycle, the crooks keep piling sand around them until... Oh my goodness, they're going to bury them. That's what Dictionary's doing. That's terrible. The fiddler, still wearing his shades. Does he wear these shades ordinarily? I have no idea. The fiddler is standing, looking down with his bow in one hand, filling the other cape, floating behind him in the desert breeze as he says... That's enough, Dictionary. Mother Nature will finish the job. There's a stiff breeze blowing the sand. Within two hours, as the dune moves towards them, they'll be completely buried and they'll suffocate to death. You'll never get away with this, you fiddling fiend. I'd play some funeral music, except that I'm anxious to get my hands on the gold in the Hall of Riches at the exposition. Before I'm through, you'll be the one who needs funeral music, says Vigilante. Very defiantly, as the sand piles high up above them in the foreground of the panel, we see a smiling dictionary and a smiling shakes taking their leave as the fiddler again waves his violin in their direction, the caption for the final panel of page five. When the outlaws depart. Yes, stuff and vigilante, the sand blowing their faces. Stuff says, <laughs> as he sneezes out a big pile of sand and dust and says, Bad enough to be suffocated by sand without having it irritate your nose and eyes beforehand. Have we got a chance, Fidge? Not a very good one. These ropes are too well tied, but we'll think of something. At that moment, as the crooks toil feverishly to free the old galleon... Yes, and we see Shakes driving the tractor, pulling the galleon along in the sand, and he says... She sails again, and so do we. High, wide, and handsome, glory be. In the after cabin. Yes, and we're back with the fiddler and dictionary. And the fiddler's got a big <laughs> treasure chest open. He's going through the gold and jewels and money, and he's saying, All is not gold that glitters, but nothing glitters more prettily, eh, dictionary? <laughs> 
Who gets called Dictionary? <laughs> you know, you think you call him Dick for short. I don't know, anyway. Maybe they do. To Mr. and Mrs. Chinnery, a son, Dick. <laughs> yeah. Um, Dictionary. <laughs> Ride, maestro. And there's more in the hold with the bars of silver. And so begins the ghost ship's weirdest voyage, skippered by as strange a figure as ever trod a quarter deck. The fiddler's on the, the deck of the ship, play, fiddling away, and his two cohorts, Dictionary and Shakes, are in the tractor, out the front, and they're having a conversation. An odd specimen, the fiddler, says Dictionary. I hope he remembers to get out of sight before he's seen. Fear not, he's crazy like a fox. He'll go below before she docks. Okay, excellent. Catch him for the next panel. Meanwhile, under the burning desert sun, a life-and-death struggle continues against desperate odds. Yes, we're back with Stuff and Vigilante as the sand whirls around their faces. Stuff says, It's no use, Vig. I'm tired, thirsty, sick of fighting. Stuff, what kind of talk is that? We aren't quitters, not while there's a breath left in our bodies. And this is an interesting, almost cutaway aspect to this panel, because mm-hmm. we can see their faces poking at the top of the sand, but we've also got a cutaway image that shows that they're still secured to the, the motorbike caterpillar thing underneath the sand. Vigilante's saying, I've loosened the rope around my right foot a little. If I can work the foot out of the boot, I'll need you for the next step. Forget what I just said. You can depend on me, Vig. And a slow dissolve. And at the exposition grounds, as the sun sets... Yes, we can see that the Donna Louise has arrived. We can also see that Shakes and Dictionary are still at the tractor. A crowd of people are rushing forward. And a slightly overweight older gentleman in a blue suit rushes forward and says, Is it really the Donna Louise? Is that genuine gold and silver I saw in the hold? To which Dictionary replies, If it isn't, we did a lot of digging. Expended our efforts, I mean, for nothing. In the way of remuneration, that is. And as we arrive at the top of page 7... Many willing hands help push the galleon into the Great Hall of Riches, where paintings, sculptured figures, and tons of precious metals tell the history of mining in the Old West. We can see in the background the galleon being almost manhandled by a bunch of guys. In the foreground, we can see Dictionary and Shakes in conversation with the man in the blue suit. Dictionary says, My friend and I saw the prow of the galleon projecting from the sand weeks ago. We have been working every day, digging it out secretly. Shakes says, and what a job! My muscles ache! I creak with every step I take! And a slow dissolve. A while later... And the man in the blue suit is saying to the dashly duo, This is the biggest news since the California gold strike 100 years ago. You will be famous as well as rich! To which Dictionary responds, Frankly, sir, I prefer obscurity, although I have no objection to riches, but one thing does worry me. We're willing to leave the galleon and treasure here till the exposition closes, but we must be sure this building is adequately guarded to which blue suit replies you're absolutely right i'll give you a chart and complete listing of the guards guard stations patrol schedules and alarm system well that's just asking for trouble <laughs> good grief caption for the next panel while out in the desert and again we're back with stuff and greg and again the sand is still whirling around their faces but again it doesn't seem to have crept any higher than where they were previously stuff is saying <laughs> i'm not turning quitter again Vidge, but if we're going to escape at all, it'll have to be soon. It will be, Stuff. My foot feels as if I've broken every bone in it, but I think I can pull it out of the boot at last. Yes, Vigilante's foot is free, but how will that help? Gropingly, he works it backward. Backward. Interesting shot of Greg's stocking sole manipulating one of the pedals of the, the tractor device, and we hear his voice saying, It's our only chance. 
if I can reach the starter pedal, if the motor isn't too clogged with sand, fat chance of that, mate, and the treads are able to dig into the soft, we may get out of here. And so, as we arrive at the top of page 8, Exerting his last ounce of energy, the prairie paladin reaches a buried pedal, presses down, and... There's a roar! As the, the tractor engine breaks into life, and they start emerging from the sand, a stuff cries, You made it, Vidge, we're climbing out! But there's still one more risky job left, and its success depends on you, stuff. My hands are tied to the handlebars, so I can't manage it. Try to place your bonds against the edge of the moving tread. It should cut through them easily, but be careful. The tread doesn't touch your hand. It's almost as though the vehicle is tipped on its side here. And Stuff is holding up his wrists, which are still tied, towards the tread, in the hope, obviously, that the tread will wear down the rope. Stuff says, Okay, Vidge, I'll have to work slowly, because I can't see what I'm doing. Here goes. Thank goodness they're finally doing something. The caption for panel 3 of page 8 then says, Meanwhile, in the hold of the Spanish galleon at the Hall of Riches, closed now and occupied only by bored guards. Yes, see the fiddler in his dark glasses and his big white hat and his cape opening up a hatchway. And he appears to have some kind of gas canister in the crook of his arm because he's still carrying his fiddle in his hand, obviously. He's thinking, If shakes and dictionary follow my orders to the letter, this will be the greatest, most daring robbery of my career. Caption for the next panel. Softly, an odourless gas hisses from the valve and an overwhelming drowsiness assails the watchman. Yes, it's a very interesting panel. The fiddler, now wearing a gas mask and looking a bit like a bargain basement Wesley Dodds, is hanging out of a window or a porthole, I suppose, or off the edge of the galleon. And the canister he was bearing in the previous panel, he's pointed his nozzle out the window and a noxious looking green gas is drifting out down towards two watchmen. One of them is already asleep. He snores. <sighs> Another one stretches back and says, Oh, uh, I slept all day, but I'm still sleepy. Can't stay awake much longer. Sweet dreams. You'll have plenty of nightmares when you wake up. It's a definite Sandman reference, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Caption for panel five of page eight. And outside the hall, as a violin starts to vibrate shrill notes... We can see the notes drifting in through the window as shakes and dictionary creep up behind yet another of the watchmen. There's an from the watchman as Shakes strikes on the back of the head with his pistol. There's an awful lot of pistol on the back of the head violence in this episode. Shakes observes. Behind yon walls the fiddle calls, as here the last defender falls. The Last Defenders was a really good miniseries, wasn't it? It was quite good, yes. Because remember it was at Colossus and Nighthawk and maybe She-Hulk, I can't remember. Yeah. Anyway, that's completely off topic. The final panel of page 8 is captioned. Then... And we see the fiddler, still with his gas mask and his big hat, opening a door to let in his two cohorts. As he does this, he says, Nice work, men. Put on your masks and come inside. Dictionary says, What a laugh. Swapping the junk we brought for real McCoy. Er, I mean, how droll. Exchanging our gold and silver plated lead bars for tons of pure solid metal. Elsewhere, at the first panel of page nine, Suddenly, the staccato roar of a high-speed motor splits the silence. And we see vigilante and stuff on the back of a traditional motorcycle. Vigilante says, Hang on, partner, we're taking off. That sand cycle was all right for the desert, but not for aerial acrobatics. Caption for panel two. Next instant, within the hall... There's a crash! It almost looks like they burst through a window. The vigilante and stuff in the back of the bike. Dictionary and shakes look up. Dictionary says, The truck awaits in the rear. If we proceed with a clarity, we can yee! Gets a fright as they burst in. Shakes holding a gold bar says, Just think, no vidge with visage grim, to interrupt our, Huh, it's him! Fantastic. I bet this guy would be really annoying in real life. <laughs> now, a bit of action in the next panel. Stuff has jumped 
from the back of the bike and grabbed hold of an overhanging bit of cloth. As he does this, he says, This banner looks like the best launching place for an attack. And Vigilante, who we can now see more clearly, is sw actually swinging from a rope while still on the motorbike, cries, Here we come, you cowardly coyotes! Did you really think you had us stopped? In the next panel, he releases the rope, roars past Dictionary, and it seems as though he knocks the gold bar out of Dictionary's hand, so it hits his face, and he does this. Vigilante says, Let's hear you find a word to fit this, Gabby. But the best Dictionary can do is, Oomph! And then, in the next panel, Vigilante throws another gold bar at Shakes, and he says, How about an appropriate rhyme, dimwit? To which Shakes replies, No! Oh! And then up on the top of the galleon, Fiddler is looking down because he's got his fiddle over his back, which is quite interesting. He's looking down towards Vigilante and he thinks, Not enough gas left in the hole to affect Vigilante, but there's more in the cylinder. And as he reaches down for the cylinder on the final panel of page nine, he says, Made it. Now we'll see who wins in the... Help! But he's been cut off because stuff has dropped down from the overhanging banner and landed in the Fiddler's back. And he says, Why the gas, Fiddler? Your music is enough to asphyxiate most people. Harsh musical criticism from the Chinatown kid there. Next panel, top of page 10, is a cracker. <laughs> it's basically stuff has grabbed the Fiddler's violin <laughs> and started battering about the head. Gosh. As he does this, stuff says, Try to bury the vision me in the sand, will you? Get my hair, eyes, ears, nose and mouth all full of alkali dust, will you? <laughs> you almost feel sorry for the fiddler. As his gas mask falls away, he says, Hell, he's gone crazy. Get him off me. He makes a break for it in the next panel, jumping off the side of the galley and saying, Beating me with my own fiddle. It's inhuman. And stuff. It looks like he's laughing. and actually watches him go and cries, Man overboard. Panel 3, we're behind stuff as he watches the fiddler somersault off the side of the galleon to be caught by vigilante. Stuff says, when the fiddler reforms, he might take up a new career as a fancy diver. I doubt it. There's no pull at the big house and he'll be out of practice by the time they release him. Well done, Greg. Caption for panel four. Soon. Dictionary and the fiddler. Shakes have all been tied up. And Vigilante, working some magic with a knife in the foreground of the panels, he says, Just as I thought, a bar of lead with thin gold plating. He's obviously seen through their mischief. You must have buried that makeshift galleon some time ago. Dictionary replies, why deny it? We put together fragments of old ships we picked up here and there. With this fake treasure aboard, it was easy to convince people that our ship was the real Donna Louise. The fiddler figured the treasure would get the galleon into the Hall of Riches as an exhibit, with him hidden below decks. Things were going fine until you turned up, vigilante. And um, a very downcast-looking shakes. The foreground of this panel says, The fiddler planned it all so well. He won us each a prison cell. Yes, and they all look very unhappy. Shakespeare notices is sat on top of the treasure chest. That's, that's very amusing. And so, the final panel has a caption that says, And so, the next night, Greg Sanders once again sings his famous ballad. But never go seeking the Donna Louise, that gold-freighted, ill-fated queen of the sea. Less deep in the desert, if this tale be true, her wake of misfortune should wash over you. And once again, like we saw at the start of the story, stuff down the front at the gig amongst the crowd, pointing up onto the stage with his thumb and proudly saying, That's my pal, chum. And a closing caption says, The, the end. Poof, that was great. That was fun. Yes. I got to say it straight away. Like, I love the fact that Shake's dialogue was basically in an iambic pentameter. Mm. You know, that five-beat sort of rhyming yeah. sort of rhythm. That was fascinating. That was very, very clever. Yeah. Yeah, it was great fun.
I really like these vigilante stories from this time. No one talks about them apart from Ranger Gorge, pretty yeah, much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank but, goodness for that, though. They are fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, the artwork is sensational. Yes. I love the Caterpillar tracks on the motorbike. That's just yeah. insane looking. It's brilliant. The Caterpillar tracks seem really, really modern. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't be surprised to sort of see that used as a reveal in something in like a contemporary story, rather never mind something that was published mm-hmm. in 1950. Yeah. I, you know, I kind of wish that they'd got out of the sand a little bit quicker yeah but i suppose mm-hmm. they needed time for the fiddler to kind of yeah set up his yeah. actual evil yeah. scheme yes and i'm just really grateful that they both didn't suffocate before that because <laughs> <laughs> that was quite a long time yeah and think of how long it takes to get sand out of your clothes exactly it's gonna be there's gonna be some rashes i think involved <laughs> <laughs> yeah so sand gets everywhere I really want to try and track down some more of these stories because i want to see what the fiddler looks like in other ones mm-hmm. that he always looked like dr octopus Really impressive dictionary, just looks like a total, you know, hipster. Yeah. You know, with his angle yeah. glasses and his hat and stuff. Mm-hmm. His attitude is hilarious. There's a whole kind of almost, before that time, but whole almost beatnik quality. Yes. Yeah. yeah, definitely. But we're kind of like, uh-huh. before that really kicks in. Mm-hmm. They're the OG beatniks, gosh. Yes. They make a great team, you know, him sort of trying to use big words, mm-hmm. big words listeners. And the rhyming of shakes, that was just fascinating. Mm-hmm. I mean, real yeah. real care, I think, taken with this story. I mean, this is, doesn't feel like any kind of dashed off or, or hurried. Yeah. You know, it felt properly sort of measured and very, very good. They're not always with Fiddler either. I mean, I know there's a story that Dictionary turned up with, with uh, Rainbow Man was the, the name of the bad guy. All right, okay. In, in an earlier story, but... Uh, That's yeah. interesting. Again, Ranger Gord's covered some of these stories on his podcast, right. Pretty Justice. It's excellent check it out yes listeners go for it i also enjoyed the fact that vigilante got to do some some rope trickery and some swinging about some daredevil antics yeah. that was quite fun to actually be on a motorbike with someone behind you mm-hmm. and do a wheelie grab a rope yep. swing and then land that's he must be very strong that's exciting enormous upper body strength and a fascinating scheme of the fiddlers. I was about to say exactly the same Jinx, thing. Jinx, <laughs> Yomi Fanta. You know, it's that concocting, nuts. yeah, like building a galley out of bits that they found. Like yeah, in the middle of a desert. No, yeah. I'm just wearing shades. It's in the middle of a desert. Yeah. In fact, I'm amazed that uh, Shakes isn't wearing them as well, because yeah. obviously, you know, dictionary well, has to. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I wonder if dictionaries are mirrored. Mirrored shades, <laughs> he's that cool. So that's the last of our... Fiddlers 3, this story was reprinted in DC Comics' 100-page Super Spectacular number 6. That's the one with the gorgeous, gorgeous Neil Adams wraparound cover Mm -hmm. showing all the heroes and stuff. This story was reprinted in that one, so that's maybe easier to get hold of than digging out a copy of Action Comics 146 from a a reputable seller. So if you want to peruse it for yourself and if you've got a copy of that 100-pager lying around, that's one way of looking at it. I definitely want to try and read some more of these stories. I'll have to see what I can do. Yes. Yes, very much so. So that, listeners then, was the last of our Fiddlers 3. It was indeed. But there's another story I was quite excited when I discovered the title of from Marvel Family 66. It was called Fiddler's Folly. But it turned out (laughs) just to be a daft little comedy piece. It's about a guy whose fiddle gets broken before he's about to do a concert. And basically, he's going to mime along to some records. All right. Yeah. Because at the last minute, one of the records gets switched for one that has an orchestra accompaniment with it. And he's found out. Well, there you go, listeners. How exciting. (laughs) So, yeah, that's one we didn't cover. But there you go. Yes. And also, we should mention as well, in the Sandman universe... There is a character called Fiddler's Green. That's right, yes. Who, if anyone's been watching the recent Netflix adaptation, you'll know is played by Stephen Fry in that. So yeah, it's quite exciting. Worth mentioning passing, you know. If we want to be completest about it, definitely. I still haven't seen the new Sandman TV show because I don't have Netflix. Terrible. Oh, gasp. Oh, well. Maybe one of these days someday I'll invite me around to the house to watch it or something. I don't know. 
I don't smell that bad, honestly. So, this has been some fiddlers. Certainly has. The comic book archaeology aspect of this and these little portmanteau episodes, I really enjoy those oh, aspects. Yes. And I hope you mm -hmm. enjoy them too, listeners, because they're great fun for us to put together. Indeed. Three quite different stories, you know. Very different three stories. Three very yeah. different fiddlers. <laughs> yeah, that it is. Listeners, which was your favourite? Which was your favourite? Do you enjoy a good fiddle? Please get in touch. You can email us at the Earth2Podcast at gmail.com. Make sure you follow us on social media because we're putting up lots of bonus content for this and indeed every episode on Facebook and Instagram. We're at the Earth2Podcast. And on Twitter, we're at podcast underscore Earth2. And make sure you check out our website as well, the Earth2Podcast.com, where you can find this and every other episode. Yep. We seem to have attracted a lot of new listeners recently, which is a lot of fun. So, you know, we'd encourage you to visit our website and dig into the older episodes. And there are some real gems mm -hmm. that we've covered because obviously we've been covering the, the development of the DC multiverse, essentially from Flash Two Worlds onwards, with a few flashback episodes to the stories before that as well. So yeah, please check them out and let us know what you think. But as I said at the top, our next scheduled episode is issue 201 of The Flash, which features G. Garrick Flash versus Yet another fiddler, who obviously we told you about earlier on, so make sure you join us for that next week. Yes, we're giving you a week's notice to dig that issue out or secure a copy yourself. <laughs> on that note, I've been Peter. On that note, on your fiddle, <laughs> on your violin. And I've been David. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you soon on... The Earth 2 Podcast. Transmatter cube activated. Return coordinate set for Earth Prime. Next day at police headquarters, Sergeant Kent reports to his daughter Susan and Jim Barr. <laughs> I said it like Jim Bow, sorry. <laughs> Jimbo and the Jet Set listeners. <laughs> Takes you back. Gordon, oh, little Gordon Arrow. I'm Gordon Arrow. I'm, I'm Gordon Arrow. He's an estate agent. Mm -hmm. Gordon Arrow and the Feather in the next panel as we see the Druckett bad guys. Gordon Arrow's saying... Go finish your concerts. I'm going to see that these coyotes don't bother you. You're not making them American? You're not making them a cowboy? No. Why not? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Did you not make him a cowboy in the early? He said he's no, more American in the early really, lines. No. Right, okay. Is he, is he just making his fortune? <laughs> I, I just, I'm, I'm trying to do the exact opposite of um, of uh, the bad guy. Right, that more, makes sense. And he's, he's the white horse and the white... And it's just like, sure, okay. He's, he's prim and proper. And it fits in with Rodney. I think it's quite right. funny. Punches Bareface very bravely, I think. Bareface cries. <laughs> you know, he says, ow. It's already spun on. It's the same thing. Just say, <laughs> ow. It's fine. That <laughs> <laughs> really hurts. <laughs> the fiddler is still kneeling down on the ground as the fiddler says, okay, Green Arrow. Green Arrow? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> as soon as I said it. We're doing so well. I know, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable. It's not even like at the action figures in my line of sight or anything. <laughs> okay, try it again. And someone in the crowd says, But where's the payroll? They didn't have it on them when they left town. You looked in their saddlebags. It's here. No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> now you're just you're just improvising completely. You're leaving the Same. text alone. Same. This is terrible. <laughs> right. Patrick Troughton. Philip Perry. <laughs> That's no good at all. If he can, Barry, if he can do it like that. You feel like better we had to say Jehoshaphat earlier? No. <clears throat> <laughs> nearly there, Pete. Nearly there. Nobody believes there's really a galleon lost in this desert. There you go. Spoiling my pants. <laughs> Spoiling my pants? <laughs> Spoiling his pants? <laughs>